You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Fascinating thought. Satan is a theologian. If you've never really thought about that, please don't forget it. Satan knows the Bible better than I do, better than you do. He's been reading it for centuries. He watched it being penned by human agents inspired of the Holy Spirit. Why is it so important for Christians to be in the Word of God? Because Satan is a great theologian. He knows the Bible like the back of his hand and uses it to deceive people and prey on whoever he can draw away from the Lord. In today's message, Pastor Danny implores you to be in the Word, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and be sealed by the Holy Spirit. Without his hedge of protection, you're no match for the likes of the enemy. But take heart, Jesus has overcome the world and is your salvation. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 4, as he begins his message, Shady Characters in the Church. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. And we're looking at the parables. Not all of them are listed or recorded by uh, Mark in his Gospel. But we're at one now, and the title on my mine in my Bible is called The Parable of the Mustard Seed. We looked at what I call the parable of the soils. We looked at what is called in my Bible the lamp on a stand. We looked at the parable of the growing seed. And now we come to the parable of the mustard seed. It goes like this. Again, he said, verse 30, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. And don't misunderstand that. If you are a truth seeker, he will explain everything in time. As much as you can understand at a time, he'll explain everything. If you're really a truth seeker, goes back to the parable of lamp on a stand, which I titled uh, to hear or not to hear, because remember it says, uh, with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have what he has will be taken from him. Uh, and the idea is, if you remember, uh, the more intake you have in your life of the Word of God, the more you're going to get out of the Word of God. 
If you're a truth seeker, then you're going to get more truth. Proverbs chapter 2, just very quickly. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 1. My son, if you accept my words, store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. And if you call out for insight and cry out loud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden gold or hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So again, you seek it. You're a true seeker, and it's work. It's work to study, to meditate, to discipline your life so that you're taking the word of God in, hopefully on a daily basis. It's work. But if you're a real true seeker, you'll get more. And that's the idea here. When he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. They get more, and you will too. That's the first point, and that's all we need to say about it. The second point you'll love. Here it is. You ready? The enigmatic and exponential growth of the kingdom of God. Let me read it again. The enigmatic and exponential growth of the kingdom of God. It was a few years ago that I learned what the word exponential means. Most simple way to understand that word, it means rapid. has to do with math, kind of multiplying. Enigmatic I got from the Bible knowledge commentary on this parable. Let me read the little section. This parable emphasizes the contrast between the smallest of the seeds growing into the tallest of the shrubs. It contrasts the insignificant, even enigmatic beginning of God's kingdom with the greatness of the end result. Enigmatic simply means mysterious. Enigmatic, exponential, mysterious, Rapid, large. The seed talked about here, I read it took 725 to 760 of these mustard seeds to weigh one gram. Let me put that in perspective if it'll help you. Uh, It takes 28 grams to equal one ounce. It's a very small, seemingly insignificant seed. Started with Jesus. Another scripture, he said, if a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies. It produces. But if it doesn't fall into the ground and die, well, Jesus died. Someone called it one solitary life. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. For three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never owned a home, never wrote a book, never held an office, never had a family. He never traveled 200 miles from the place he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompany any of the things that usually accompany greatness. While still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. Friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed upon a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had left, his coat. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Nineteen long centuries have come and gone, and today he's the centerpiece of the human race and leader of the column of progress. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned put together 
have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as that one solitary life. And that's the title, the one who penned that poem about Jesus, that's what he titled it, One Solitary Life. But the main point of the parable is not the privilege of receiving more. I do not believe the main point of the parable is the enigmatic and exponential growth of the kingdom. I believe the main point and the focus. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. The seed talked about here, they say, could grow to 15 feet high. Birds of the air come and perch. There's a law of hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is just the study of biblical interpretation. And there's a law of hermeneutics called the law of expositional constancy. I've shared it with you before. Just remind us of it again. It is the consistent use of symbolism and idioms, phrases, expressions in the scriptures. Uh, Because unless the Bible gives a clear reason for an idiom or a phrase to be used differently and have a different meaning, then there should be a consistency in understanding it uh, throughout the scriptures. Otherwise, how will you know? You get all confused. So with the law of expositional constancy, we go back to the parable of the soils and the seed, which is the word of God sown along the path, and the birds of the air come, and they take the seed, and they take the seed away. And Jesus very clearly tells us that the seed uh, being taken away, who is taken away by, is the evil one. There's another parable he told about uh, the kingdom of God is like yeast, and a woman takes yeast and puts it in a large uh, batch of dough, and the yeast goes through the whole batch of dough, and some people see the yeast as just a natural thing of the growth of the kingdom, but in the law of exposition, oh, excuse me, I'll slow down. In the law of expositional constancy, The consistency in the scriptures of leaven is leaven represents evil. In the same way, the birds represent evil. So here's the enigmatic exponential growth of the kingdom of God. And within the kingdom of God, you have these birds that are perching in branches of the kingdom. And it doesn't say they're just perching in the branches. Let me read again exactly what it says that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. The shade. I call these birds shady characters. Jesus told a parable of the kingdom. It's like a field. Good seed is sown in the field. And as the good seed produces the plants, there are weeds mixed in. The servants come and say, Master, you want us to go pull up the weeds? And he says, no, because you may pull up the true grain with the weeds. Let them grow together until the harvest. So within the kingdom, there is true grain and there are weeds. Same idea here. Within the kingdom, 
as it's grown and now so large, you have perched on branches of the kingdom. Shady characters. Satan has actively infiltrated the kingdom of God and he has planted and still plants some shady characters among us. Paul the Apostle got emotional as he met with the Ephesian elders, and Acts chapter 20 records for us, he said to the Ephesian elders, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in and will not spare the flock. Next verse, even from your own number, even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Fascinating thought. Satan is a theologian. If you've never really thought about that, please don't forget it. Satan knows the Bible better than I do, better than you do. He's been reading it for centuries. He watched it being penned by human agents inspired of the Holy Spirit. Satan knows the Bible. He's a theologian. 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Don't get the wrong image. It's not a classroom with a demon sitting in the classroom with a bunch of humans there. No, it's a demon that's using a human agent. And what he's teaching is not truth. Here's another fascinating thought. You know what Satan's main theological textbook is? It's the Bible. He has others. He's written others. But he loves using this book. You say, prove it. Matthew chapter 4. Temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Verse 5. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, they tell us that it would be better translated since you are the son of God. Throw yourself down, for it is written. And now he quotes scripture. His He'll command his angels concerning you, and they'll lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Isn't that amazing? Satan using Scripture to try to tempt Jesus to get out of the will of the Father. Go all the way back to the book of Genesis, chapter 3. And here's what Satan said to Eve. Has God really said and you know what Satan does there? He takes what God has spoken, and now he twists it. And he's very good at it. Pause just a minute, and let's understand Satan has all kinds of tactics to lead people astray. In the church. I know you get tired of me saying it, but I've been doing this a long time. I have seen people, and after a while, you, you, you know, you, you have to pull a guy aside, and, and other leaders sometimes pull a guy aside, because you know there are guys that come to this church, and they perch looking for a girl, 
and they want a Christian girl. Only problem is, if they are Christian, they're carnal. Sometimes they've been through uh, one marriage, two marriages, three marriages, and they go, well, I, you know, I, want a, I want a Christian girl. And they come, and they perch in the shade. But you're getting me ahead of things. Satan has all kinds of tactics. He'll use a guy, he'll use a girl, he'll use a boyfriend, he'll use a girlfriend, he'll use relationships to pull us down, to lead us astray. But one of the things he loves to use is theology, the Bible, religion. There's so many things we could talk about. Shady characters in the church. Shady characters in the kingdom. I put them in two categories. And the first is simply this. Birds out on a limb. Birds out on a limb. I call them cults. I'm going to give you my definition of a cult. A cult really comes down to what they do in terms of their belief, their doctrine, their teaching on Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? And all cults, every cult makes Jesus less than God, very God, with a capital G, capital O, and capital D. The Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, uh, Jesus for them is the first created son, first created being from Elohim, or as we understand God the Father. Jesus was a spirit created by Elohim. He had a beginning as a spirit, and so he's little God, little G in their Bible. It's a cult. Mormons, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so what they do with Jesus, saddens me because in my study, images of people came to mind that are no longer part of our fellowship. And what grieves me is more than the fact that they're not a part of our fellowship anymore because if we're only one local church, there are a lot of local churches in our area that believe the truth and teach the truth. But these images and these names that came to my mind are people that are not only not a part of our fellowship anymore, they have bought into the teaching of a cult. They no longer believe that Jesus is really God, very God, without beginning of days or end of life after the order of Melchizedek. It's shocking to me. And my prayer has been and is that someone listening to this message today, that it will help you not to go the way I've seen others go. And sometimes the theology comes through a boyfriend or a girlfriend. We could go into a, it could be a whole series on what cults believe and the different myriads of, of beliefs that are out there within the context of what I consider cults. I have these two uh, pamphlets. I've had them for so long now, they're faded uh, but this one called the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, what God has said on, on seven fundamentals and what men are now saying. And it has a comparison, easy to look at uh, and easy to really just learn from uh, word of God, faith, 
Christian science, spiritualism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Armstrongism, Mormonism, Eastern mysticism, the Way International Unity, Unification Church, uh, and then on the back, more. And it's just one put in one brochure. But this is an old brochure, faded. Now, I went by the bookstore, and I said, do you have any of these pamphlets like I have, you know? And I knew they had some newer ones. And here's one. Unfortunately, this is the last one like this that I got out of our bookstore. We have no more exactly like this. Uh, But this one's much nicer, but the same idea. Christianity, cults, and religions. Side-by-side comparison chart of 20 groups. Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormonism, Unification, et cetera, et cetera. And if you want to go further than a little pamphlet, and you want to get... For example, historical background of the person who started the movement. If you want to get other details, I say to you, the resources are there that you don't have to be duped. You don't have to be deceived, and you can know. Now, don't spend all your time trying to find out what everybody else believes. Nevertheless, take advantage of what you need to find out in terms of what somebody else believes. Because if you spend all your time trying to find out what everybody else believes, you won't spend enough time looking at the truth. Years ago, the way they taught people how to recognize counterfeit bills was not to show all the counterfeit bills, but to have them learn, learn every detail of what is not counterfeit. And there, when you know so much of the true one, then you'll quickly be able to recognize any counterfeit. Birds out on a limb. The cults. But then there are birds on a branch near you. Beware. I've already said... Sometimes it's just a relationship. Most of this message deals with doctrine. But let me just read you from that little, little epistle just before Revelation. Jude, verse 12. These men are blemishes at your love feasts. They were called the agape feast. The early church would get together for meals regularly, and they would celebrate the Lord's table around the meal. So they're at the love feast. They're blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They're clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without root, fruit, uprooted, twice dead, etc. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, there have to be differences, and the word is the word we get, heresies. There have to be heresies among you to show which of you have God's approval. And other scriptures I could put with those, the point is this. Satan will plant people in even a church that teaches and preaches the truth of God. And if he can use a person, even through a relationship, to lead you astray, and it may not be doctrinally, it may just be immorality. It may be romance, and now the romance leads to sexual sin, etc., etc., Watch out. Those people are in the church, and some of them are in the church, and they really have never been born again. They really don't know Jesus. And they'll keep attending church with you as long as they can take advantage of you away from the church service. 
Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. In this study of the book of Mark, Pastor Danny has been unpacking how time and time again, Jesus showed himself as a servant throughout his life here on earth. He was a prime example of what we should strive for as we live our days to the best of our ability. Most times, serving comes at a cost or a sacrifice for those you're serving, but it's worth it in the end. Jesus exemplified this with his sacrifice on the cross, serving us in the most ultimate life-altering way. We trust that this gives you hope, perseverance, and an ambition to serve those around you in a way that reflects Jesus to others. If you want to hear this teaching in the book of Mark again, you'll find it by visiting our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the resources tab and click on teachings. You can also connect with us through social media. Look for links to Facebook, Instagram, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way you'll be notified as soon as we upload new videos. We also invite you to join our Bible reading program. Also under the resources tab at ccfstpete.church. If you're looking for a church, we'd be happy to meet you at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. All the information you need is at ccfstpete.church, along with links to join us through the live stream. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in and learning more on The Living Word.